Namaste. I've been asked to speak on, or rather, I've chosen this uh, aspect of Sanatan Dharma, an evolutionary perspective. And as we proceed, I'll, uh, you know, share what exactly is the reason why I've chosen this. Well, every religion has at its core, has a core, and a Every religion has a core which can be considered as a soul and it has a, around the soul which is the core experience of the person or the people who gave birth to the religion. In the sense that there was a master, there was a rishi as we say who had an experience and that experience became the core of the kernel from where the particular religion proceeds. It draws its strength from there. It's where it has to refer back to again and again. Then the next aspect is that there is uh, around the core, around the soul, there develops a body of metaphysics and philosophy, which is like the mind sheath. So this body of metaphysics and uh, philosophy develops through the different kinds of understandings that people have with regard to that religion. Then because everything upon earth needs also to be rooted on the physical and there is a vital sheath in us. So the third element that joins in is a number of cultures, customs, tradition which which correspond to the vital sheath. Like in India we have now Durga Puja is going on. So there is celebration, there is the Shara. So there is the vital sheath which gets permeated and percolated by a particular core truth. And finally, the very physical body, so institutions develop which are meant to embody the soul or the spirit of the religion. And I may add often too lightly, as Shurabindu says that many times the institutions become, um, they pay a lip service, but they do everything which is diametrically opposite to the core truth. And the reason is very simple that while it is much more easier, the purest experience can be had in our deepest soul. But for any experience, even for an individual human being, to translate it in terms of the physical and vital is very, very difficult. So this is a genuine difficulty. Yet, when we speak about it, we must understand that there are religions which rely too much on the outward aspect, too much on the institutions that have been built around it, or even on the uh, little, you know, traditions and customs. And if that becomes their focus, then over a period of time, the soul can be lost. They Forget the origin, what was the original truth or formula. Now the beauty of Sanatan Dharma is that Sanatan Dharma understood it way back when the first master, the beauty is we don't even know who was the first master, who started this, who had the aha experience, an experience of the divine and gave certain profound formulas through which we can walk the way. So the first thing about Sanatan Dharma is that it recognizes that there is no one single individual, however great, who can exhaust all the many-sided aspects of the infinite. So this is what gave birth to later on the great formula of Ekam Sat Vipra Bahuda Badanti. There are many, many approaches, many roads. But this is often considered to mean that there is the same experience towards which everybody go. Well, there is some truth in that. But it is equally true that when different people approach different ways, then unless they go right to the very end, that last point, they will also have different experiences. So, you know, that's why we have the famous old-time debates between the 
bhaktas and the gyanis so gyanis uh, speak about they you know often belittle bhakti and the bhaktas often belittle gyanis or people who take the path of karma so they often you know belittle the gyani and the bhaktas and the gyani says karma is only a means and a preparation so that's because the core experience too there are many many step stages over which one can stop and therefore unless one has the urge to go beyond and beyond like the vedic rishis they did go they were not satisfied even with the being the experience of the being they went still further what is before the being beyond the being and so on they went right to the very core of things so the first aspect we need to understand what is unique about sanatan dharma is not only there are many approaches many sided approach but it also admits that there are different experiences arising at different levels of our journey so if we stop halfway through we are likely to conclude like you know when a seed blossoms into a tree we are likely to conclude seeing the trunk that this is the tree but if we wait we will see the branches somebody who goes still further can see the fruits and the flowers and somebody who goes still further will see that not only fruits and flowers these fruit drop into the soil as seeds involution that's how shrivinda brought out and then it further evolves so because of this understanding that the divine by his nature is infinite and that stands even to logic because if the divine is finite it should be very easy for anybody to explain how the divine came into being this is a question that people often ask but the moment we say it is infinite then this question ceases to exist the only way we can understand infinity is by direct experience but the first aspect is that not only there are many approaches but there are different stages of self evolution at which different kinds of experiences arise so there is a person who worships the or rather who speaks about the impersonal the divine is not this not that he is a vast impersonality valid but equally there is a person who speaks of the divine as the deeply intensely personal which is also valid and there is a person who goes still further and says sagun and nargun unite in that equally valid there is a fourth person who says there is that of which no name can be given who has no form and yet assumes every form and every name equally valid so it is this inherent beauty of the many sidedness not only of the approach but of the divine himself that gives rise to that makes sanatan dharma such a vast and catholic uh, uh, you know journey the second aspect these many aspects of the divine because he is infinite so each aspect becomes a god so very often people say oh so many gods well gods is a help why not i mean after all it's a wonderful thing to have so many assistants on the way so who are the gods they are aspects of the divine they come to us to help us on the way the problem is if we stop with the gods and say that well this god is everything that can be an approach but essentially we have to understand they are powers and aspects of the infinite and through them we can approach again to the one this is a valid approach which sanatan dharma is accepted but the third very beautiful thing often people uh, you know i was on one of the forums where discussion was going on and the person was very happily happily saying but my religion has only one go- one uh, guru and one book so that's so easy so easy is not necessarily true so easy is 1 plus 1 equals to 2 but that doesn't mean it is you know the only truth in this creation so we need to understand that why in sanatan dharma we have not just the divine is one but multiple gurus they're not always all saying the same thing 
It's because that core experience has to be once again reproduced in the consciousness of humanity to keep it alive. This is a truth that Sanatana Dharma understood. So it allowed for the number of gurus who will come and reproduce the same experience and every time say Suhamasmi, though it is the same experience. But it is validated over a period of time and keeps the core alive and flaming in the race. Otherwise, Sanatana Dharma would have suffered the same fate which most religions suffer. They become encrusted in outward formulas and the spirit escapes. Because uh, there is no way, okay, somebody had an experience over a period of time, people even forget what that experience was. And that is most often or not a limited experience. But Sanatana Dharma allows that as new beings will come, new great beings, luminous beings will come, they will reproduce the experience within their consciousness and therefore keep it truly alive in the spirit of the race. At the same time, they will, who knows, they will have a kind of experience which is completely new, many-sided splendor of the spirit. So that again allows for a variation and evolution in Sanatana Dharma. That is something wonderful. And that makes it so beautiful, inherently complex, but a complex which is complexity, which is one with the complexity of creation. After all, creation is complex. And we can't reduce it to a you know very oversimplistic formula. Same with books. So being having one book is very nice. It's very easy to tell people, you know, I was uh, other day seeing that, you know, some people reduce Gita to a set of four formulas or, you know, one or two formulas. But that's not what it is. It's about um, every book brings, it's, even when it speaks of the same thing, it brings a completely new perspective. And let me give an example. A child comes to the home. So now when a child comes to the home, father has one perspective, mother has another perspective, grandparents have another perspective about the same child and they all love the child. And as the child grows at different stages, the perspective begins to change. So this aspect of Sanatana Dharma where the experience is again and again reproduced in the consciousness of the masters is something so wonderful. And also, not only is it reproduced, there is a possibility of a new experience arising out of the same basic um, truth or the same basic substance. I mean, the ultimate core will be one of the whole creation. But in its unfolding, it takes new forms. Not only that, it seems that the one being infinite, it loves variation. So it even allows for the freedom and plasticity of an individual approach to the divine. So this is the third aspect which is very beautiful and unique that each individual, and it's not like one has to follow the six systems of philosophy, etc., etc. A person may not know any philosophy, yet may have a thirst. I want to know the divine. After all, you know, very often I ask this question, who gave the mantra to Surdas? What was Surdas doing? He was, you know, helpless without his eyes. And he was just singing out his deepest feelings. Today we call them Pad. But was it a method he was following? Or take another example. What was Sabri doing? Sabri was doing none of the traditional practices. But she was carrying this hope that one day Rama will come my way. And I must gather every day a set of you know, plums to feed him and clean the place. That was Sabri's yoga. Or what was Ahilya doing? Practically nothing. She was just in a state of Jad. Jad Pashan means she was in a state of inertia. For whatever reason. And in that state, accursed state, fallen state, she was just waiting one day, you know, somebody will come and touch me and redeem me. What were the two trees doing, which were waiting for Krishna tied to a Oakley to liberate them? What was Kansa and Ravana doing? Opposing God's design. 
and yet by that act getting liberated. So when we talk about the variety of approaches, we should not limit it to the six schools of philosophy or the, you know, the traditional paths of yoga. As many individuals, as many paths of yoga are there. So this is the third or fourth wonderful thing about Sanatana Dharma. Fifth, which is something so beautiful, unlike traditional religions or, you know, the world religions, many of them, you have to believe and live life according to certain principles, which is basically at the vital physical level, we have certain traditions, customs. And if you do that, if you follow that, yes, it could be, you know, going on Sundays to a, a you know, church or Gurdwara, a mosque or for that matter, a temple, anywhere. So it it is like you follow this ritual and practice and God will be happy with you and you will get a post-mortem salvation. In some, you know, your seat will be reserved by the fact that you are, your attendance is being marked. Now, Sanatana Dharma doesn't stop there. It doesn't repute, you know, it doesn't refute it. It says, okay, if you want to go every Sunday to temple, fine, it's all right. But to believe that that's the end of things, no. So, again... So what does it say? It says you can become that because you are that. So that is something, another very beautiful thing, Tattvamasi. So not only Sohamasmi. Sohamasmi is that each individual carries the divine self within himself. But also, Tattvamasi, you are that. So when the Guru says that you are that, nothing else. So it is a reminder that don't, while all this is okay, Sanatana Dharma, the beauty, doesn't enter into either or debate. Either, you know, the sometime back uh, when I was in Patiala on, on a posting. So every morning I used to go, myself and my wife, we would go to a center there and, you know, clean the place and whatever we loved, reading Savitri, sitting there, hanging out, <laughs> modern language, and doing whatever work came away and come back. So uh, a family which was, uh, used to, you know, share the house, rather it was their house and we were the tenants. So one day they asked, where do you go every morning? So I said, um, this is what we go for. Then the um, person said, he was follower of one religion. He said, ours is very simple. We don't believe in all this, you know, going to a temple and, you know, doing all this, you know, puja and all this. So I smiled and said, yes, but you do go to your place and go to a book. How does it make it different? We understand it. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. <laughs> so this, so the beauty of Sanatana Dharma is doesn't refute anything. It doesn't say don't do this. This can be an approach. But at the same time, this is not the end of things. This can be a starting point. That's what we see in the Tantra, Pashuvat, then, you know, as a human being when you worship, as a, um, you know, God-like being when you worship. The other day we were having a little chat with uh, a lovely little child about Yajna. So, you know, they do home at home. So, I asked the child, um, this yagya we do outside, but, you know, it has a corresponding element as a human being. That when we do it mechanically, it's pashuvat. You know, you just put the sticks or whatever and even the mantras are chanted mechanically. When we do it consciously, it's like a human being doing it. Knows the meaning, is aware of the things. And then we can do it like a god. So, I asked, what would it mean? What will be the fire that the gods will light? And spontaneously the child said, fire of aspiration. Now, this is something amazing. So you can do this. It's not like you don't have to do it. You can do it. But you must know that that's not the end. It, draw, it draws its breath. It draws its significance and meaning from that which is at the core. So the beauty of this uh, Sanatana Dharma, it has always had gurus and masters as it is said. And always will have. 
gurus and masters who will keep this flame alive, the flame of aspiration within man. Otherwise, it tends to get encrusted into a mass of rituals and customs whose meaning is lost over a period of time because many customs and traditions are very, con- you know, con- uh, contextual in a certain, uh, let's say when invasions were going on, then people used to, you know, cover their women especially, you know, they used to cover their head in those parts which were right the border areas. And uh, equally because there were people who were plundering, you know, there is something called as a guilt complex. So when you plunder and loot and, uh, you know, pick up women, so you want, you start believing that your own woman will be, you know, treated this way. So they started covering their own women. So it is contextual. It has nothing to do with, you know, uh, a barbarian will feel like it. But when world improves, then you know, world conditions change. You have to learn to change. So the beauty of Sanatana Dharma is doesn't hold on to the temporary, it holds on to the permanent and the eternal. It understands that change is a law of life, it's a way of life. But a sixth element which comes, which is so beautiful, is that this change is a direction and purpose. So very often when we speak about change, so we posit change vis-a-vis the permanent, the transient and the eternal. This misconception has grown primarily uh, due to certain kind of interpretation, a monistic, illusionistic interpretation of the Vedanta, uh, further reinforced, or rather since Buddha came earlier, so reinforced with this tendency that there is the world which is ever-changing. And uh, because it's ever-changing, there is suffering because we desire for one thing, we get it and then it is taken away. And then there is the permanent, so seek the permanent. But in the same Sanatan Dharma, there is another line which looks at the change in a very positive way. So it is not just change, it is evolving. And this evolution is at two levels. One is the evolution of the soul. That's why we have the whole idea of rebirth. So before rebirth became a system of Papa and Punya, which is, you know, I don't want to use terms, but post certain religions which invaded. And you know, there was a lot of confusion going on. And people thought that perhaps, you know, this is the way to hold on, that you know, you'll be punished, you'll be rewarded. But if we go back to the ages of the Vedas, the Upanishad and the Gita, there was dharma and adharma. There was not punishment and reward, which is a later mistranslation of that whole thing. There is dharma, which opens the path to evolution. And there is a dharma, which stands in the way of evolution. So the only reward was that you grow and you grow fast. The only punishment was you slow down your own growth and go through a great complex meandering than through a direct straight process. So this is the only difference that we find, you know, dharma and adharma. Subsequently it became papa and punya and, you know, all this rewarded punishment, hell and heaven, all this theory came up. But the direction of this evolution is essentially the blossoming of the soul. So whole rebirth, the cycles of rebirth, which, you know, is so logical. If there is an immortal soul, as all religions say, then to give it only one term. I can understand for materialists there is no rebirth, perfectly fine. But even though for materialists also things are constantly reborn. That is the condition of progress. But okay, there is no individual element. It is understandable that you know they don't believe in rebirth because they don't believe in soul. Um, though I am not going into the argument that, well, that's a fallacious argument. But coming just to the rebirth aspect, why is the rebirth? There are religions which don't sp- speak about rebirth because they are not evolutionary religions. They are finished the moment you are baptized, the moment you accept that I belong to this religion, you are redeemed. Doesn't matter what you do. You may blow up a whole city, you may kill people, but well, you are redeemed just because you are, you belong to a, you know, you have a surname, you have a name, 
and you know you dress up in a certain way which is one of the most illogical crass absurdity uh, i would use the word stupidity that one can believe in and yet it is believed in what does sanatan dharma say no the soul within is like a seed and it has to grow into its full divine manifestation that's why we have rebirth so rebirth is not about reward and punishment if really it is about reward and punishment it very doubtful if any soul will ever reach that point <laughs> because we start by you know all kinds of errors born out of ignorance but it is a constant process of evolution so the soul keeps learning through experience it's like a child who starts from kindergarten and reaches the graduation level makes many mistakes so these mistakes become a learning process so it is a constant learning essential and the blossoming of the soul so this is something very beautiful where can it go into this blossoming well one thought is this is the seventh interesting point one thought is that well it can eventually merge with god but there is another very interesting aspect which swami vivekananda brings out in his chicago address he says because it was a context where he was speaking to people who believe that man is a sinner by birth Uh, its deeper meaning is something else the deeper meaning is that when you take material cloak then you are prone to errors and you know ignorance because this cloak is like that but when it is said you are a sinner because some great grand sire of yours in a mythical paradise did something he was not supposed to do probably ate an apple one of the most innocuous things that one can ever imagine he was bit by a snake and he fell down now if we <laughs> the story has a meaning i'm not saying the deeper symbol is there but what it means is that there was a stage of humanity it was living with innocence carefree it was the vital physical stage just first human being living by the law of the animal it doesn't have the sense of sin it doesn't have the sense of sense of evil it doesn't have the sense of good or bad you know we can still see that early humanity tarzan like and you don't feel anything bad about it tarzan roams about in the wild just bare breasted and when you know he falls in love he does everything physical vital emotional he doesn't feel bad about it and it's so beautiful to see him like that but yet it is an animal state so as we grow we grow through the sense of good and bad virtue and vice but eventually even this must end good and bad are not the beginning and end of the world good and bad is a passage and where does it lead to it leads eventually to the blossoming of the divine nature so swami vivekananda brought it out very beautifully that we are essentially divine not only in our core but also in our nature and this divine nature and the process of rebirth is like chipping off you know our early births are like stone hard rock and the gods are laboring to chip it off little by little little by little through a passage of time in one life if they chip it chip us off it will be like terrible so it takes time the chippers little 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 till finally out of this stone emerges the beautiful god or the goddess which is concealed within it so deep within all of us have a divine nature but that gets distorted this is another very beautiful evolutionary perspective so when we look at things like that then we understand that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future so within every ratnakar the decoit there is valmiki the great poet within every angulimal there is anand jagai and magai there is the you know disciple of chaitanya so this is because this divine nature is in everybody and it needs the grace of the master it needs a path a process aspiration call it whatever and we all can realize it this is something beautiful but again since god 
loves multiplicity that one divine being this divine nature doesn't mean everybody becomes you know okay sir good morning madam and you know uniformity that's how we begin to believe divine nature means everybody is doing a pious act everybody is non violent in the world no divine nature doesn't mean that the divine if you look at our conceptions of the divine uh, look at just this is the nav durga going on now there are nine forms of durga why do we need nine forms why not one form each form represents a truth so you have you know uh, today i think it's kushumanda so it starts from shailabala then she shailabala is the daughter of the mountains within matter a divine energy is born now this divine energy has to be concentrated so that concentration becomes brahmacharini then chandraghanta as a result of this concentration within the night of material existence they dawn some kind of a light and then there is kushmanda that light grows and bites warmth there will be born uh, further and further aspects of divinity so when you look at it like this at once the symbol and the truth behind then we see that at different stages human beings represent different aspects of the divine so to the kshatriya it is valid to kill but for the righteous cause so when we make an absolute gospel of anything be it non violence then we are actually turning it into a falsehood falsehood derives itself from a truth but by giving it an absolute value as some religions do we completely change it into falsehood there are religions which make a complete gospel of one aspect but look at sanatan dharma it says well you could be a brahman sitting and meditating and you know trying to realize god wonderful that the highest state or you could be a kshatriya going to the battle like bhishma and arjun and yet you are pursuing god oh is it so oh well you could be a businessman transacting with the whole world with beautiful things with production circulation of things and you are realizing god oh is it what about the craftsman the shudra as it is called well you could be dealing with the most material objects everyday life and yet you could realize god sadharma gati so this aspect that there are different ways in manifestation see one of the biggest problem of the um semitic religions is they don't explain manifestation unfortunately indian thought in a certain line fell into this trap and i use the word booby trap it when we can't understand manifestation and the reason why we cannot understand i'll share in a moment so we try to fill it with all kinds of theories okay this is uh, your uh, you know uh, some kal is running it not god the sh- the person who runs the show is somebody else so we try to do that Uh, there is a satan who is involved in this whole story of manifestation or we say well it's an illusion come out of it or we use a mysterious term called leela now leela is not maya but we can't understand it because it's god's leela well we may not understand it now but one day manage to grow and understand the leela so when we look at this leela why we cannot understand manifestation is unlike the purusha aspect this is another beautiful thing about sanatan dharma the dual aspect of the one divine the passive and dynamic so while it's easy to understand the purusha what is he doing is sitting in the chair like most purushas even physically in this world they become couch potatoes so is you know but of course purusha is not couch potato he is releasing idea forces into this world he is sitting and watching over the world his task is to give the ultimate sanction is it okay i am going for this yes go for it that's a purusha but who is doing all the difficult and dirty job it is prakriti so again you see prakriti is manifold 
it's near impossible to understand that's why the dance of shakti who can catch her rhythm except one who is krishna himself or shiva who can understand the rhythms of shakti even prakriti falters when she tries to you know um, follow those steps so this dance of creation which is such a beautiful uh, gift of sanatan dharma and the beauty is this connects us with science that's why in i think is it stockholm or one of the places where the nataraj uh, statue is used as you know at the entrance of the um, atomic research institute why because nataraj the dance swastika the dance the other day whatsapp was circulating you keep twisting the um, saptarishi mandal in four um, directions in four ways as there is the rotation you have the swastika what is swastika the forward movement of time understanding time understanding creation understanding the movement of the atoms makes sanatan dharma one with science it's not just about many approaches to god it's about joining the two poles of existence matter and the divine this is the secret of sanatan dharma it it is not just that souls are born and they have the experience they will go away eventually to the divine there is no point in developing if the end is going to be the same but there is a work here to do which is there in sanatan dharma not just about a spiritual evolution but also about a material evolution and of course we know that famous story people often ask they ask uh, just uh, five more minutes or maybe few more minutes then we can have questions so people often ask that well you know i was also taught darwin's theory of evolution but as i grew up and read the scriptures of sanatan dharma i said what much more complete uh, theory is already there and much more complete i i mean it much more complete because darwin observed the things and he gave observation wrote big books wonderful you know he didn't explain evolution to explain it all kinds of theories came in neo darwinism lemark's theory adaptation because, but what really adapts what really becomes aware that i have to adapt where is that will to live the will to strive the will to evolve nothing is explained or understood that is taught but you tell that today that in the universities why don't you teach the parable of the dash avatar no 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 that is hindu that contradicts it it is science what really is the parable of dash avatar god becomes a fish creation is in water god becomes a tortoise land and water god becomes the vara a creature mastery over land god becomes half animal half human that's not enough god becomes the vamana the dwarf man aspiring to conquer heaven worlds everything why because with the vamana the soul is born the psychic essence so it begins to dream the vamana dreams of not just conquest over earth he is a little tiny being but yet he conquers the heavens he conquers the underworlds he conquers the earth and then comes parshuram the rajogund sampann power of the rama of the axe and then comes rama moderates that power of the axe the kshatriyatva and brings within it a luminous intelligence and then comes krishna he says well come with me to the eternal dance i'll take you still further this not the end of the journey to be a man amongst animal it is to be a god among humans so he takes us still further meanwhile buddha comes he says well there is something still further goes beyond and that's one path he opens for those who want to quit the game and shobindo comes in and says well if you want to quit there are many ways but let's complete the task of krishna which is to have the vrindavan here 
to join in the ras and take the ecstasy here after this world was born out of delight this is the great thought that sanatan dharma brings in and we should you know pause with that this world is not born out of desire as some religion says this world is not an accident in time as science says as an a type of science not all science says that i mean if you read watson and crick famous book on you know the genetic code they say very clearly we can't explain it uh, it's not an accident so that's how the theory of panspermia came in but i'm not getting into that but some kind of science believes that it's an accident in time and all these accidents have summed up to man who is beginning to wonder how this accident came into being uh, that is the funniest of paradox uh, or as some believe that well man did a sin and therefore he is being punished condemned to you know earth the other day uh, i don't know why this kind of liking people have for this uh, utterly pessimistic philosophy very nicely this song was circulating on whatsapp zindagi se badi koi saza nahi are aise kya hai zindagi se badi koi raza nahi life opens doors to evolution even saza here is a path there are people who were given saza literally shurbindo and they turned that saza into a greatest boon and a blessing this is man this is given to man we are, we don't belong to that hopeless helpless thought where we say it was poor some great ancestor mr adam and miss eve they did something wrong we don't know exactly but god was very angry he punished them and we have to suffer their punishment when will the term be over when you convert yourself to a certain belief and what is surprising to me truly surprising that so called logical rational thinkers half the world believes in such nonsense i mean it's really really amazing what does indian thought say it says the world is a manifestation of delight look around the world tell people bad karma you will suffer in hell you know what they will say they will turn back and say don't tell me all the stories let me enjoy life this delight is so deeply ingrained in existence it is there any amount of fear of punishment does not prevent people from still snatching their pound of pleasure shobindra speaks of this in savitri you know bliss is at the secret root of things this even you tell them if you do this you will be punished look at you know all this now legally we are debating all this that what really helps you punish people fine still for that moment so because delight of course it's a degraded delight but there is a joy in just being often people go and speak about maya this world is challa this world is this that you know old wives tale sorry to put it like that so i asked them so when are you booking a ticket for yourself for nirvana nearest bus to nirvana no no why are you saying you want us to die no no you say it's all challa and all this nonsense why are you living in this world but that's the paradox that we live in and there's a paradox which many religions thought leave us with this world is an im- impossible paradox where either we choose this or that but man wants both why because he's meant to link both and that's why shubindu gives us the beautiful answer this world is a paradox with god for key so god is not only beyond he is here to eva he is not just neti neti he is also iti iti he is in each atom of existence what is he doing here what's his business he is revealing himself 
to some he reveals in a block of matter as you know to hiranyakashipu he reveals himself as nursing to somebody else in the same block of matter he reveals as the redeemer rama liberating ahilya to somebody else in a block of matter he reveals himself as shivlingam and to somebody else which is the avatar of the future that is shurbindo he reveals in matter the possibility of a complete divinization of life this is the same matter same stone but look at the beauty of this manifestation how it is evolving from primitive forms to more and more complex forms and where are they going from living matter from so called inanimate matter i am not going into the details of you know involution and evolution but people can read it from shurbindo and there are plenty of talks on that unconscious matter brings out consciousness half consciousness a problem with which the modern neuroscientists are grappling with is consciousness the result of brain cells how come unconscious brain cells bringing out consciousness well because it is hidden as a possibility inside is lightning the result of the wires that we connect it is hidden as a possibility in the clouds therefore there is lightning try to catch it you can light up the whole house so this is what we have to understand that these things possibilities are hidden in matter it becomes living matter it becomes mentalized thinking matter and it will still go further and become spiritual matter and divinized matter so this entire spectrum is all encompassed in one vast something can't call it philosophy or metaphysics i would only use the word infinite infinite unfolding of the infinite and that unfolding is the dharma and the term which has been used by the great seers very significant is sanatan dharma why because it accepts accommodates and assimilates any amount of change it's not only sanatan because it's eternal yes but also because it accommodates all the changes that's why the sanatan dharma cannot die it's a it's a fact the other day history was being taught to a person and i asked oh so what did you learn in history and i asked did you notice something interesting about india what was it i said you know what indian civilization refuses to die it's such a simple plain fact so many have come gone attacks greeks egypt rome mayan atlantis name it gone even the existing religions they are as good as dead but look at sanatan dharma why because it's ever evolving ever fresh ever creative like the impulsion of the divine himself sanatan dharma accepts that this world is a creative upsurge of the divine in delight and therefore it is going to continue its creativity divine cannot make a full stop to his creativity and he who has pulled out of the darkness and inconscience and unconsciousness thinking man that same sanatan truth will dharma will pull us beyond man to the superhumanity of tomorrow thank you namaste the sacred symbols must have their own energy so that yes. means that uh, like a bovis scale that incident of that french person who judged the evaluated the energy of the swastik versus the nazi symbol which was a tilted swastik in black color which has death energy actually uh, yes yeah. hitlers hitlers like yeah yeah he he judged that 16500 
it, on the bobe scale is the energy of a human being a living human being and a swastik has an energy of 1 million while that printed swastik of nazi of hitler in black color has such a negative it's like close to death it's almost 1000 it brings you near death and so that means that these sacred symbols on one hand they have energy but on the other hand distorting them or making them wrong would also could also have very negative effects yes yes very beautiful so what so is the role can... of symbols yantras sacred symbols ha so this is symbol yantra tantra uh, yantra and puja it came out of the understanding the energy that's where the tantra steps in so one is vedanta which only speaks about primarily the supreme there later on in vedas you have both you have the vedanta and the tantra this is very clear but subsequently the division started and not going into detail but if we have to understand the creation if we don't have to understand creation just go back which is also one of the paths many paths so one of the paths in that case we don't have to understand creation much except that much which will help us to come out this one approach so uh, but if you have to understand creation so that's why in buddhism you have hinayana and mahayana same thing so if you have to understand creation then tantra comes in then you have yantra mantra we understand this world through sound symbols through geometry through mathematics through algebra pi value of pi you know every which way through language linguistics you can understand creation that's how you know you have not only the mantra you the origin to the you know shivji's damru one way it brought out sanskrit another way it brought out tamil language so we can understand everything going back to the roots as a manifestation of the divine so tantra captures it and it's not limited only to the geometry geometry is one way to look at it it is um, also in mathematics for instance just the numbers how an indian would understand the numbers so what is one everything starts zero and one it's a play of zero and one today we talk about it in computers zero is that one concealing itself and one is the first thing that comes out of that zero together they complete now put one after zero or two after zero then it is only one or two put one before the zero its value changes so we can understand an entire yoga through this 1 2 3 4 you know one then it becomes two then three are the triple planes through which he manifests sachidananda four that element which links and you know five the fifth plane of ananda and six is consciousness and seven are the seven planes seven fold seven like that you can understand everything so indian thought sanatan dharma has explored every which way so symbols are there and every symbol like mountain mountain is a symbol of you know uh, matter aspiring towards the heights what is a tree it's a symbol of life variety manifold rooted in earth and yet going towards the heaven drawing itself from the sun what is river it's a symbol again of life flowing through towards its source so we can understand all the symbols but now the problem is that if we get lost only in the symbol and not understand the principle behind it then we you know miss a point then it becomes only a kind of tradition so as i said pashuvat sadhana it's acceptable in tantra but you know one should do it more consciously like we use the word cow so cow is sacred yes but it comes from the root light and uh, one way to understand is that go and of course cow is a uh, very developed being leaving aside cow no developed being in indian thought was 
you know, killing a horse or an elephant or a cow, none of this was considered good. Simply because a developed being uh, has a little more developed psychic spark. So it had a logic behind it. But it's not just about the physical cow. We must save not only cow but elephants, horses. They are not threatened so much uh, though. Uh, dogs, so you know the entire thing comes from their cats, all these creatures which are you know developed like mammals already something starts. But also because this is a, we should understand that cow is light, it must be safeguarded, it's important. We, if we allow light in our thoughts to be invaded by darkness, then what are we doing? We are killing the cow, but in another way we are killing. But when we nourish the cow, nurture it through the right food, through you know, then it will give us milk. What is milk? Milk is knowledge. So we have Shirishagar. So the symbol and the real, they go together. But for the common humanity, because it's very difficult to leap to the real, man needs something very concrete. That's why we have, uh, you know, the images, etc. Because they help us to enter into the reality. So symbols are necessary. They must be there. But also, as, we, as you said, bhang murti ki puja nahi ki jati. You know, if you break an idol, you don't worship it. Why? Because it becomes a play of distorted forces. So when we understand a symbol is only a tool... Yantra also equally, which is being used by forces. So everything is a tool. The body is a tool. Now, if we have the yantra right, like for instance, let's take the body as a tool. If you keep the body in a good condition, healthy condition, you do, you know, eat the right kind of food, good, give it good sleep. This body will become a beautiful tool. But if you use it for dark kinds of activities, then this body becomes a tool for the asuric forces. Same thing applies to everything, including the swastik, the om. Some people have used this, uh, since you are at it, uh, swastik, but there is another symbol which goes unnoticed, is the symbol om. And people often say, see, om is there in every religion. Please take a hard look and see whether it's om as it is or om which is twisted and turned. It's just a thought. So, Om in its origin is one thing. But when you twist and turn Om, you are playing with something which is, in its origin, is meant to represent. It's an akshara. That's how it is, Omkar. And that akshara, you can't put it, you know, upside down or this way and say it's the same akshara. It loses its sense. It's a different thing. Nobody studies that in swastika. They have studied because it will not be, you know, refuted. But there are so many symbols in religions which I would say today that they are dark symbols, but they are accepted in certain religions. And it's worth knowing these things because otherwise we get caught into a web of forces which are very dark and not conducive. Often I have seen many religions and, you know, get into the darkest uh, terror on mankind. And that's because uh, their places have become hubs of dark energies. You accept it and enter it and you are caught in it. And people don't understand. They think it's just brainwashing, it's worse. It's brain capturing, brain possessing by forces that are beyond human reckoning. And you can't deal with it the way we were trying to deal with Hitler. You are a nice guy, you know, we are non-violent people. Be very happy, come to our houses, please. But we will not accept your philosophy. You have to understand what it stands for and deal with it the way each thing has to be dealt with. So that aspect is in Sanatan Dharma, there is a way of each thing. Rit. Rit is rhythm. Everything. Snake is God. But if you want to take a snake and put it around your neck, be sure you are Shiva or Narayana. If you are otherwise, if you are Narayana, a snake will say, be on, you know, lie on me as a couch. 
and if you are Shiva, you can put the snake around and he will, his wish, Shiva has already taken. But if you are none of these, don't mess with his snake, keep it at arm's distance or make sure he doesn't come harm other creatures. No, he has a place in the totality of things, that's a different matter. Yes. One uh, question we'll take from... Uh... Insects in creation. Mosquitoes and insects. Mother says they are a projection of the vital world. Why speak about symbols? They are symbols of vital worlds. And Sri Ramakrishna did it in a different way. He showed it. When a disciple came and said, Sir, is it okay to kill mosquitoes? He, he had this question. When he entered, Sri Ramakrishna was clapping and killing the mosquitoes. <laughs> to give a message. He had a unique way. <laughs> so, uh, so many times, you know, a lot of truths get misapplied because we don't know these little details. Very true. I wanted to know about Sangbang organization. This talk has been arranged by them. I did not know anything about it. And uh, as it is, I never miss Dr. Alok Pandey, whether he's on Sangam platform or anywhere else. Please tell us about yourself and the organization. Sir, I will tell you about myself. Um, probably in the YouTube description when we put this talk on. And uh, if you can just share your email ID, I will share with you personally. Right now, let's go to the questions we can ask Dr. Alok Pandey. Uh, Tanya, would you like to ask your question? Briefly touch upon what... Okay. We, yeah. we are a group of people, uh, Indic organization we call ourselves. Seeking to bring out the Indic narrative, the Indian knowledge systems, the Indian yoga, the Indian dharma, you know, Hinduvadi nationalist forces, uh, the Hinduvadi forces. We are trying to provide a platform for basically Indian knowledge systems, Indian history, Indian culture, Indian position in geopolitics. And uh, we are organizing these talks online for the past one year. Earlier and now also, we also have them in person in Delhi. In an auditorium, we yesterday we we started after the pandemic. We have these talks in person in an in an auditorium in Delhi, and uh, I'll tell you more about Sangam Talk. It's there on our website, and uh, Tanya, if you just share the information, uh, it will be there in the chat box. We go to the next question, Tanya. Namaste, Namaste, Doctor Pandey ji. Namaste. Uh, this is very. This is a very. Uh, I'm actually a Parnas co-host also. So this is okay. a very a layman question. I don't know whether it makes too much sense. But uh, I was recently going through the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad and uh, there was a conversation between the great wise uh, Yagyavalk and his uh, wife Maitri. And he says that the Atma is, uh, is Anand Swarup. And uh, we don't love our children because we love them. We love them because we love ourselves. So... Um, even though being so wise and learned in the Vedas and the Upanishads, he sets out on a journey, giving up everything to achieve Anand, Satchit Anand. So uh, I just wanted to know that uh, why is that? And uh, Okay, okay. <laughs> wonderful. But first thing first, questions are never a lay question or not. Answers can be. Okay, so questions are always valid and good. And this is a not just good, but a very good question. So, Yagnvalk, uh, just to touch upon it, he sets on a journey, as you have rightly said, and he wants to explore further. So, you know, in Indian thought, 
you have i test upon chaturvarnya you also have the fourfold um, stages of life so uh, jagnavalki is not running away from life he has lived a life he has lived a life in a thriving ashram he has lived a life in you know with uh, disciples and there is a famous story of yagnavalk uh, you know asking janak to give 1000 cows tipped with horns tipped with gold because he says i need it for running the show so for the ashram so yagnavalk has lived a life and there comes a time when a person who has you know there is a line in savitri after we have served the great divided world god's bliss and oneness are our inborn right So it's perfectly fine for somebody who has lived a life and given what he had to do, uh, give to the world such beautiful things like the Isha Upanishad. He has the right to say, "Ki look, you know, now I want to plunge myself completely in the one divine." This is a very. He is not running away or escaping, but even there, he gives a choice. So that comes the story. He asks his two wives, Katyayani and Matri. so he tells them that well i have this much property and i share it between the two of you equally very good like you know um, any sensible person would do so katyayani is happy she is happy to serve him and she has accepts that whatever he decides uh, but matri says you know property and all all my life i have heard you speak about eternal about truth about ishavasyamidam sarvam you you tell me um uh, why does one after all love children and wife and you give me that knowledge which you have i don't have that knowledge i want that knowledge and not just this money so then this dialogue then it starts so he says you know he says uh, matri i i am very fond of you because you have asked me the right question and then he says that you know one loves the wife not for the sake of the wife but for the sake of the self and so on and so forth you know right up to nation and humanity and that will explain why he seeks to withdraw not withdraw but take the final plunge now this answer like many of these answer has a double sense within it shobindo actually explains it in english it's very easy to understand i because you know we have the sense of atma now only with swa only with the deepest self but swa and atma can also mean you know my myself so that's how it is so as is the self so is our love with children and uh, parents and you know wife and husband and world so basically within this little answer is given to us the key of relationship with the world if our self is the lowest self animal self mother said very beautifully when she was asked about love and you know animal love and human love etc she says it is childishly simple if you have the consciousness of an animal your love is like an animal if you have a consciousness of a human being your love is like a human being if you have the consciousness of a god your love is like a god now this is where the key lies as is our self so is our relationship so if we want to improve our relationship we must upgrade the self there is no other way i love the wife not for the sake of the wife but for the sake of the self if my self is egoistic then my love will be egoistic merely to you know try oh, he is a good person bad person trying to change by modern psychology you will end up changing behavior that's what has happened today that outwardly people have learned how to say hello good morning thank you but inwardly they harbor everything that is wicked and vile so that's not the way upgrade the self upgrade the self so that your relationship changes and to what extent it can go it can go to that extent isha sarvabhuta naam so he wants to now take that highest plunge that i want to relate he doesn't want to leave this world he says i want to relate with this entire creation including you matri she she wants to come along and he doesn't say don't come along you come along 
but let me connect with the highest so that i can connect with you and with everybody on the basis of the highest and we have that example of shirbin the people often speak that if we drew into a room shubin the watched over the entire world he was answering to all the disciples he had the most intimate relationship with some of those disciples who were very close to him and of course we know about mother whom with whom you know the mother said that without him i exist not and without me he is unmanifest so we must continue to strive to make our self in a general sense discover the greater and greater now when we discover that the atma is ananda swarup completely merged with it then what happens with this world then this entire world becomes a ras leela of the anand mein until then we'll always have something which will you know a little line in that perfection that we are striving for so that's what yagnwalk wants now it is the final project he has undertaken and maitri could accompany him i do not know their shruti is mute on whether she accompanied or not this is a question i have tried to find actually the answer to but i have not found in the story but i presume she must have accompanied but let him and her both of them would have striven for the highest and then come back as anandmay as who is anandmay krishna he is the how he connects with the entire world in entire creation so that's why yagnwalk needs a time not as a final departure but to withdraw and discover that ultimate ananda not only within his soul but within this entire creation so that's how we have to understand it but we should not forget that he went through the steps and stages so if we just try to you know it's very dangerous to <laughs> copy a wise man <laughs> words we can copy but if we try to live according to what he has lived outwardly inner state yes then it's a very dangerous thing to do so you know yagnwalks that teaching is enough for us to live by ishavasyamidam sarvam yatkinche jagatyam jagat that's where the key is given tena tyaktena bhunjita by renouncing everything you enjoy all things So when I discovered that delight, then all things are a joyous expression of the one delightful one. Okay. Thank, thank you so much, Doctor Pandey. That was a wonderful answer. Thank you. We've uh, taken you. six minutes, seven minutes extra of your time. That That's time okay. was up to twelve. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for this talk, and thank you very much for joining the audience. I have just put in a little sentence about Sangam Talks. If Krishna Ji is still here, but Sangam Talks is an earnest effort to reclaim the narrative about Indian history and civilization and culture. And uh, recently, we also added politics and geopolitics and uh, education and various other topics which are now coming up. Thank you very much, Dr. Pandey. Uh, this was a second Thank talk you. by Dr. Pandey, and we look forward to more in the coming months. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste.